anyone who's listened to the first couple podcasts uh, has probably heard either myself go ah or every couple words you might hear the word um from Alex. The plan is for him to eventually get better at this. It's not looking like that's happening, but that's the plan. The problem is I haven't been nearly drunk enough when we record these. Because <laughs> when you get drunk, you become clearer and more, th- and you're able to think through your thoughts a lot, yes. a lot faster. <laughs> the, the history of man says otherwise. That's always been my impression when I've had too much to drink, that I'm incredibly witty and charming. <laughs> I think we need to ask Rebecca if that's really what the case is, though. So, quick question for you. Yeah. Did you see that video of the jaguar dropping the alligator out of the river by its neck? Was it an alligator or a crocodile? Is there a difference? Like, you know really? how to tell the difference? How's that? One will see you later, and the other will see you in a while. Wow. I, a part <laughs> of me wants to stop the podcast and never do this again, because I walked right into that. That hurts. Soccer chat with two T's, because we're going to chat about soccer, but we're also in Chattanooga, so it's like a play on words and you know chattanooga is a soccer city all right welcome to the third episode of soccer chat i am adam bruce one of your hosts here with alex fordney and we want to (laughs) we want to once again thank the beautiful game network for um helping host us and and promoting our brand on the twitter feeds and such as well as all the great people that are involved with that. If you haven't got a chance to listen to some of those other podcasts associated with the Beautiful Game Network, you are missing out. So if you get a chance, go on over to bgn.fm and check out some of those great podcasts, including League One Fun and ourselves, that are currently the only two League One-focused podcasts that are within the Beautiful Game Network. Uh, Hopefully more will be coming soon. But once again, thanks to them for for helping with promoting and hosting us. We, uh, We really couldn't do this without people being willing to share us on social media and get us out there so we can get a bigger following. Balls in your court, Tucson. <laughs> I think Tucson needs to get their game going for a lot of things, other than just the last massive travel they've got in their future. Uh, but I'm also looking at, like, you know, I wouldn't mind hearing something from Greenville. Like, like they've got Chris on the League One fun. I'd like to hear, you know, something official from Greenville, just focused on League One. Uh, I would love to hear something from Forward as well. I know Lansing does have their own podcast, but it's not a BGN.FM. Um, and if you haven't listened to it, they, they do a really good job with that as well. So... Uh, there's a few in there that would be worth worth listening to. Kicking at Richmond. There's a there's a title for you. Somebody run with it. That's that's not bad. All right. So a little bit of the uh, of League One news that's out there. Uh, still also beautiful game network focused. Uh, there is a written um, arm of the beautiful game network, and an article is written by Ira Jersey that kind of goes through some of the roster rules and some of the other things associated with League One. Uh, if you want to give you a quick breakdown, Alex, do you have some information on that? I was curious on some of your thoughts for some of these. So teams are allowed to have up to 30 players on their rosters, um, seven international. My impression is that uh, Chattanooga Red Wolves have their full allotment of the seven international players. Now it says here as well that uh, if they're in the United States with a green card, then they can um, be counted as a U.S. player. We've got a few that are like that, I know. I think you're right. I think we're at our allotment. I think that allotment does include um, Hartley, the, who is still overseas. So, But we're definitely not at our 30 yet. And um, there's a number of uh, trialists that have been on the team now for a couple couple weeks trying to make it. 
as well as some future cuts are coming from the USL Championship as their season's about to start. So I think we're going to see it fully fill out pretty soon here. We have how many announced players? Is it 15? No, it's I think it's 17 fully announced. And what's really great, League One does a – they do a really good job of putting out on their webpage a transfers um, – like tracker that you can kind of track it. So I can pull that up super quick here and give you the exact number. Um, You're right. About 17 players on the roster right now. I know of at least three, and I think there are a couple more that have been added since the exhibition against Atlanta United too. So you're looking at roughly around 22 players. If they were to sign those, what do you think is a good number? for them to carry on their roster. So it, it, it really depends on how, how much they utilize the ability to get some players from the Dalton Red Bulls team for um, when they need to fill some of those gaps. And one of those gaps I'm talking about the games that they'll have with the open cup that will be creating a tighter schedule. In all honesty, other than open cup, they're doing one game a week. And so, for the most part, so there's really no need to have a very large roster because you're going to get enough rest. But if they make a long run in the Open Cup, I could see them needing a few more players for a league game if they're really wanting to focus on that upper Open Cup and making a run. Other than that, I don't see them coming close to that 30. I think they're going to be right around 22, 23, enough to be able to do some full practices, 11-on-11 um, 11 type stuff, but not more than that. Discussing it with some of our uh, friends in the Alphas, shout out to the Scenic City Alphas, um, we were we were talking about they're probably with the quality of players that they've signed. Um, you know, there's not necessarily a salary cap, but I'm sure that owner Bob Martino has a particular cap that he's wanting to spend on players, and they're probably a little on the higher end with the teams that they've brought in, the quality players and stuff. No, and I think that's fair, but. I- this transitions well to something else we wanted to talk about when it came to the Red Wolves because we don't have a ton of things going on with the Red Wolves right now. There's not any um, open games that we can really go in and, and, and get a live look in. Uh, the next open games for the public is not till the 16th. So it's a little bit of a all quiet on the Western Front. We can still visit practices and we can talk about that, but this kind of goes into something else that's happening when we talk about that investment. You know, People seem to think Bob Martino is just going to want and done this, and at least in Chattanooga, that seems to be what they're hoping for. I don't see that. He he's got a deal that has the um, tentatively been approved. It's still waiting for the official approval, but they've gotten approval from the state and from the federal government to allow him to make a 1.5 million dollar investment in East Ridge, Tennessee, which is right uh, right next to Chattanooga. It's part of. Uh, it's right there north of Ringgold, north of, of Dalton. And it's a it's not a public-private combo. It's he's going in and putting in $1.5 million proposal. He personally was at the original proposal that was done back in December. He's the one who made the proposal, so he's all in on that. And that's not a small chunk of change. You don't put in $1.5 million into a training facility if you don't plan on being here for a while. Maybe you don't. I'd, you yeah, know. yeah, 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 I wouldn't $1.5 million is just kind of what I find laying around my shoes when I'm cleaning up. Well, I'm just going to have to ignore that because we both work for the same company. I know that seems unlikely. Uh, but that being said, I will say, you know, I don't think he's going to skimp on his roster if he's going to put in that kind of money into infrastructure in the community. 
I also don't think if you look at the type of players that he's gone after, uh, that he's basically said to to the coach and to to Sean said, hey, we want to get a quality team here. Uh, I don't think he's blinded by the idea that they put a quality product, they're immediately going to have a huge amount of fans. I think he genuinely understands that he's going to probably lose money the first couple of years. Uh, anyone who's done any research in lower league soccer knows that's typically how it goes and you have to have a longer plan. So if it means that it carries one or two extra players at whatever that salary is, and let's be honest, it's not going to be world beating salary. My opinion is there's a good chance that that's a two or three extra salaries isn't going to put him in a bind. Okay, so speaking of the players themselves and, and looking at you know the various ones that will fill in those roster spots we're talking about, are there any specifically, or who specifically have you felt has really stuck stuck out at this point in the preseason who's impressed you the most? And I've got one that I'm kind of keeping back, but I want to hear who you've got. Yeah, I've been really impressed with Cedo Sayon attacking as a uh, as a winger. I've really also enjoyed watching Richard Dixon and Andrew Mullen on the back line defensively. And from the trialists that they had in that match against Atlanta United, I've been very impressed with Cam- Cameron Vickers, really hoping that uh, he gets an opportunity with the club full-time. Yeah, so I agree with you, especially on Richard Dixon. I've, I've seen him on the overlaps that he's done and some of the, the build that he's been playing. He just seems to fit smoothly and understand his role really, really well. So I 100% agree on Richard Dixon. And also with, with Cam Vickers, he's just crazy fast. Like, it seemed like any time there was a, a hole to fill, he filled it. Um, and so I was really, really impressed with him. The, the one that I'm keeping kind of back is is Alex Mangold. Is it Mangold? Mangles. Mangles. I mispronounce it every time. And my daughter is a huge goalkeeping fan and corrects me every time and then laughs at the fact that I forget it. So, yeah, Alex Mangles is probably, in my opinion, the most surprising, mainly because our first signing was a goalkeeper, right? And Right. Granted, Greg is not here yet, but the the way it was presented was he's going to be our starting goalkeeper. And so I knew very little about Alex other than what I could find on YouTube when they signed him. And my thought was, well, this guy's being brought in to be the backup. And how good can the backup in the third division in the U.S. be? Well, I've been very impressed. Uh, his positioning's good. He's very vocal when he's out there. You can hear him like running his line and getting control of his defense and taking the leadership role that a really strong goalkeeper takes. So I've been very impressed. Yeah, real real strong getting to the ground, too, um, side to side laterally. For being as tall as he is, um, you know, I was a goalkeeper in high school myself. I know we both were. Um, it was a lot easier for me to get to the ground just because I was already pretty close to it. Yeah, that's kind of it's kind of funny. That's the thing I've talked to Jordan, my daughter, about because she's kind of on the shorter side. And she sees Alex, and then she sees Danielle, who is the – uh, women's goalkeeper, and she's like, can I even do this? Because these guys are huge compared to me. And I said, you know, you wait till Greg gets here. <laughs> he'll, he'll give you insight right. that, that some smaller guys can be really good. He uh, definitely explodes that myth. Yeah, so, but what I mean by that is like, and I told her, I was like, most of the time a small keeper can get that low shot really well. It's the corners that they struggle with, and it's the exact opposite for a tall, and that's what I think has impressed me by Alex is um, he hasn't had that issue. He's He's had some balls that went to the corner that he was able to get to really relatively easily. I'm not saying he won't get beat down low in a corner. I mean, every keeper is going to. Anyone who's played the position knows that's not an easy thing to get to. But I think there's a there's reason to be excited or, or think it's going to be a good thing. My least favorite goalkeeping cliche, 
it has to get through all other ten guys before it goes past you. Oh, that's oh, yeah. Such a cop out. The thing is, there's goalies that legitimately seem to think that way, in that they don't seem to engage until it's too late. Like, how often would a keeper get beat if they don't run? Like when the ball gets through their defense is playing a high press, if they don't run out of their zone and get up there quickly enough. How often do you see where a keeper right. ends up in no man's land? The best ones are always paying attention and realize they are part of that unit that's not just, oh, those 10 and then me. That's just what you tell somebody who's terrible and you want them to make them feel better. Like, you lost 11 nothing, but they had to beat the other 10 first. And it's like, eh, whatever. Yeah, I heard that a lot. All right, so last thing when it comes to kind of Red Wolves-type information, they have announced that there will be a special for the opening day in the Louisville City game that's coming up on the 16th of March. Uh, what do you think of that combo? Do you think it's a good marketing move? I love the idea. So the idea, you go to ChattanoogaRedWolves.com and go to their to buy tickets online. You buy a ticket to the April 6th opening day match against Forward Madison, the best soccer game in town that day. <laughs> and you will get a free ticket to the Louisville City preseason match. Louisville City, back-to-back champions of the USL Championship division. Uh, so that's going to be an awesome game. Yeah, I It's think... unfortunately starting kind of early, but it's going to be an awesome game. So the other part about that game is that it's after Louisville City plays Atlanta United 2 in a regular season match the day before. So we're probably going to see a few of the the secondary players for Louisville City. But at the same time, it's going to be a good challenge because those are players that made the team. In all honesty, the theory is that our players should be just slightly below even their secondary players. So it should be a really good test. As well as yes. the next game after that for the Red Bulls is the opener in Dallas. So uh, it, it will be a game where you, you're going to get a real good look at what the team's going to look like in that first game you're watching on ESPN+. So. Very much. I would say that they're they're going to be going out there with the team that they're expecting to start the season with. And speaking of the forward Madison game, that's going to be, you know, that is the opening. There is a same night friendly being held by Chattanooga FC versus Detroit City FC. There's a little bit of news that refers to both those teams with the NPSL Founders Cup, where California United has pulled out of the Founders Cup and NPSL altogether. And it appears that um, they're going to be replaced by the Napa Valley FC team. At least that's the rumor mill. That hasn't been officially announced. How bad of a look is it for MPSL Pro that they're having pl- having teams pull out before it even starts? I was looking through Twitter the other day and noticed a couple of tweets very aggressively anti-MLS from people affiliated with the Founders Cup. And I thought to myself, does NPSL think that this pro league is going to be a direct challenger to MLS? I think the answer is there are definitely delusional people on Twitter that think it is. I think the leadership of NPSL has shown... That's never been my experience on Twitter. Everyone has been very measured and... (laughs) Yeah, including me. I'm I'm very calm in my statements on Twitter. Uh, 
No, I think uh, I think the leadership of MPSL recognizes what it is. So the problem is that the leadership of MPSL, like the the current chairman, is the former or current owner of the New Orleans Jesters, who's not even putting an MPSL regular team in. Uh, rumor mill has them going to Nisa possibly. So no, I think there are some that think it will. I think they're delusional. I think the idea that you can build something completely outside of the soccer federation and hope to have it one day be the number one league when you don't even have any sort of media contract period is kind of funny. And people dropping in and out back and forth. It, yeah. I don't think it's a good look, but it's also the sort of thing that happens at this level. It's not impossible a couple of years down the road that some of these teams in USL league one have to restructure things. Rochester, Rochester Rhinos are taking this season off to restructure things and they're going to join USL League One in the next season. So teams at this level have to kind of go through stuff like that. The other side of it, though, is they're putting a lot of trust in former NASL teams and leadership. So the Cosmos, which is a great brand, the argument could be made that's not really the Cosmos, but we don't need to make that argument today. But it's a great brand. It's a classic brand in the United States. Wait, they don't have Pele? Not anymore. It turns out he, he retired even though probably could dominate NPSL Pro still. And then you've got you've got the Miami team that is about to get destroyed by David Beckham's Miami team. Let's be honest, they're 20 miles away. That's not going to go well for them. And you've got Chattanooga FC, who are talking a great game, but they were the original NISA headliner, which means they've already have the structure or had the structure to qualify for Division Three. So... If this goes really, really poorly, NISA doesn't have territorial rights or franchise fees. What keeps them from switching? What keeps that? The only team I think that really can't do it is Detroit City because they don't have the financial backing to qualify for for professional league standards. Of course, any professional league standards can be, you can ask for a waiver for certain teams. So that even isn't a hiccup for them. I think ultimately, two, three years from now, you're going to see something completely different and away from MPSL from those teams. And you're going to see some of those teams within USL. Uh, I think Jacksonville could be their Nisa or USL team, Jacksonville Armada, who did not go MPSL program though and thought they would. I think New Orleans is going to be either Nisa or USL. And I think uh, um, California United is going to be their Nisa or USL pretty darn quick here. So that's, that's kind of the information um, that we have about the Red Wolves and such. And I kind of want to switch directions and go more, uh, talk a little bit about other areas in the soccer community in the soccer world and we will do that as soon as we come back from break we'll see you on the other side and now it's time for making an arse of myself with adam bruce I can't keep making an ass of myself. Well, a word in defense of making an ass of yourself. It's underrated. I don't think this is going to be making an arse of myself because I think for the most part, a sane person is going to agree with most of what I'm about to say. Yeah, that's the way that people who are going to make an arse of themselves start every conversation. (laughs) So, VAR, most people hate it. If VAR was already in the Premier League this year, we would currently be one point behind Tottenham. Uh, I think you watch the replay of the 
Harry Kane uh, foul and penalty, he 100% was fouled by Mustafi, and he's 100% offsides. Some idiot uh, from, you know, anything Harry Kane does, he's like the golden boy in England because, you know, he obviously plays for England. And some idiot that uh, works for the Daily Mail posted the FA rulebook and, and circled the section about how if the foul occurs prior to taking action on the ball, even if they're in the offside position, the foul stands. Completely ignoring the, the section right below it that says that if they are engaged with someone on an upcoming play, that, that it's an offside. It's like legitimately like the very next bullet point outlined what happened on the free kick. And he just completely ignored it and circled the part above it. And he just got destroyed on Twitter because everyone's like, you, you're an idiot. Like, look directly below here. Um, it just... <laughs> it, and then... <sighs> other part that really made me angry was at the very end of the game, Lucas Torreira took a less than thoughtful challenge on a 50-50 ball from the side. And he was studs up, which is definitely a big no-no and he caught the shin of of the player on Tottenham and consequently was given a red card and immediate kick out and my my issue with valid. it was that it was a valid red card no I just was, want that out there it was either it was either a valid red card or it should have been a yellow card because earlier in the match the exact same play happened to the goalkeeper for Arsenal where he got chested right into the chest. He got a full cleat in the chest from a guy who didn't even hit the ball, mind you, who went after a ball and pegged him in the chest while Torreira got to the ball first, um, and he got a yellow card. So you, there's there's inconsistency there. Either give him both reds or give him both yellows. You can't have one be a yellow and one be a red just because he's a goalkeeper. Now, I so I will grant to you that that should have been a red card. It was incredibly dangerous. You're talking about broken sternum, broken ribs, very easily could have happened on that play. And that's where, on the other one, you know, it's a legitimate red card to me on the second play. So I, I want to read you, because I don't want to, I, I really want you to hear the two differences in the FA Cup rulebook that it's just excellent. So here's what the guy from the Daily Mall posted. This is the, the section. A player is in an offside position if moving towards the ball with the intention of playing the ball and is fouled before playing or attempting to play the ball or challenging opponent for the ball. The foul is penalized and occurred before the offside occurrence. So if you read that, you're like, oh, yeah, they made the right call, right? Directly below it, it says, an offense is committed against a player in an offside position who is already playing or attempting to play the ball. Here's the big part. Or challenging an opponent for the ball, the offside occurrence is penalized and has occurred before the foul challenged. Right. So could not have been more clear. Yet, because it's Harry Kane, these guys that... that Sam Wallace is the dude's name from the, um, I think it's the Telegraph, not the Daily Daily Mall, claims that, oh, you know, experts have reviewed this and they made the right call. No, experts reviewed it and they messed up. And if VAR existed, they would have gotten overturned, but it doesn't yet. Wait till next year. Uh, but it hurts us big time. Yeah, if Aubameyang hadn't telegraphed his penalty kick, he that also wouldn't have mattered. Oh, man. So I do I genuinely believe that Aubameyang penalty was a makeup call. Because that should have never been the penalty. I think the ref got word from wherever. Uh, hey, dude, you screwed that one up. We need, if we get a chance, we need to get a makeup call. I, I fully believe that happens. I fully believe the ref hears from the from his fourth official. 
Hey, we missed Check that. Check the betting receipts. Yeah, I, I just, I think it was a, a makeup call. That said, I've watched, I watch a lot of Arsenal. He does that on every penalty, whether he's going left or right. So, um, I don't believe that he telegraphed it as much as he went left. And you'll watch another one, and the, all the pundits will be going, "Look at how he tricked him by leaning to the left, and everyone thinking he was going to go left, and he went right." It, I mean, it is what it is. They. People are going to say what they want about Aubameyang and about him going left and being obvious. I I think nine times out of ten, he's going to knock that in, if not better than that. It's just, it is what it is. I mean, we should have still won that game. We should have needed the makeup call. All right, that's all I got. That's the end of the making an arse of myself. So let's talk a little about specifically the Portland Timbers game that happened in Denver over the weekend. That was nuts. So on, there is a... Uh, I got a tweet from someone or a direct message like, hey, are you watching this? To which I responded with, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, they're like, the snow game. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not watching the snow game. And like, you need to turn it on. I turned Thanks. the thing on, and it looked genuinely looked like it was a white field with green lines. <laughs> like, it, it no longer looked at all like, like, a soccer, like a soccer pitch to me. It was a bummer of a game, and I'm not going to get mad about conditions because both teams had to play in them. And even being in Colorado, it's not like they play in snow half the season. Like, that's a crazy occurrence, a one-time thing. So what's more impressive, the fact that the Timbers managed to tie when they were up 10 men for 60 minutes, or the fact that the MLS did not call a game that had four inches of snow sitting on the ground? So I believe there's a stat category in the MLS books um, for goals that get scored in the last minute of play, and it's called a timber. <laughs> so, so first game down. We talked about this last week. You're currently correct. Number first game loss. Figured out a way to lose. They, it's like the miracle know how. It was a draw. Well, it might as well have been a loss. You can't be up. You can't be up. It hurt. You can't be up a man for an hour. And not and not win it. Not with that not with that quality quality team. Like I get it if you're if you're Minnesota, if you're Minnesota their first year or if you're uh, Cincinnati who's doesn't you know Minnesota that first like what twenty games two years ago which is hideous. So I, I get it on that end. Immediately after the game, Portland Timbers Twitter, and I, I mean, what else are you going to expect them to do? But they say something about a hard-fought point in bad conditions. And I'm really glad that the post-match interview that I got to watch with Gio Savarese, the coach, he was like, no, we screwed that up. Yeah, so that thank, is good. Thank I'll you, take... Gio. Portland Timbers Twitter, do better. Yeah, that's... A point in the conditions. Sheesh. I, I, do, I will say though these are some of the I'm looking at like the the Twitter pictures from that game they they look like the like the conditions that are shown in the movie Cool Runnings when they land in Calgary <laughs> <laughs> like there are pictures of guys who just look absolutely miserable <laughs> all of the snow stuck in everyone's hair like this yeah. the assistant referee. It's, yeah, the coaches bundled up like that kid in a Christmas story. It's ridiculous. <laughs> All right, so other things that happened in the world of soccer. Um, oh, who cares? The Timbers blew a lead. <laughs> <You> know, 
I think you're going to get to experience that the Timbers blew a lead a couple more times this year. Hate to tell you that. Uh, Somebody watched the freaking back post. So did you did you watch any of the women's stuff this weekend? I fully intended to, and I hope people don't assume that it's part of like deep seated subconscious misogyny. Um, it was just because my son came home sick and really wanted to watch Power Rangers that I wasn't able to watch the matches. <laughs> oh, that <laughs> I'm going to give you a pass on that. I actually did uh, watch the the England game. I did not. I did not watch the the prior game. Um, my coworker, who she is a huge fan, and she actually got to go to Nashville. It was one of the um, Christmas gifts that she had actually gotten for her significant other. Um, and the two of them, they went to um, that game. And she had watched the prior game and said that they didn't look too good. And so when I watched this one, I was expecting it to be a situation where they weren't looking as strong as they normally did. I thought they looked good. I thought they played England well. I thought that uh, I would have liked to have seen them hold it up. But overall, I felt it went well. I mean, it's not like... It's still a friendly. Even though they've got a fancy name for it, it's still just a friendly. And I think it, it went well, personally. Credit to them on these friendlies, though, with this She Believes Cup. They bring in the big guns. They're they're playing friendlies, sure. It's a you know, it's a tournament that's just kind of a like a preseason college basketball tournament, but they have the top teams that they're going against, France and England and Japan that are over here playing in it. That's, that's impressive that they're, you know, looking to challenge themselves. And I think it also gives a little bit of insight into how much women's soccer has grown. Um, like if you look, the U S used to easily dominate and the argument could be made. We haven't put enough into developing our women's team that we became complacent. I think it goes the other direction. I think England and France and these other places have realized that there is a market for that. And they've done a very good job of, promoting it and so the women's game because of that becomes more interesting right it's like uh when it comes to like think of you know usa men's basketball when the dream team existed and they were winning by 80 points it really wasn't that interesting it was fun to watch them basically have highlight reel dunks and such but it was like watching the harlem globetrotters you knew what was going to happen um, exactly. As, as those European teams have gotten better in the women's soccer game, it's gone from being the Harlem Globetrotters to to being a, a hard fought game, and that's a lot more fun to watch. Uh, I'll tune into that. I'll tune into those type of games, um, and not just because I have daughters. And that said, my daughter is a huge soccer fan. My eldest uh, it, it very much enjoys watching the women's game, watching men's games. She's, she'll sit with me and watch Arsenal games, uh, and. And that does bring me in a little bit more because she has a desire to one day hopefully get to do something like that. Um, she has to practice a whole lot more than she is now to get there. But it, it's really exciting to see that the women's game is growing worldwide, not just here in the U.S. Um, so. Did you see on Twitter the, the 13-year-old girl that apparently assigned a professional contract? No, I didn't see that. Do you feel like a failure as a parent? That a 13-year-old girl has signed a professional contract and it wasn't Jordan? <laughs> yeah. uh, yes. No, I actually feel like I'm doing my job correctly because uh, I don't need her to be the next Freddie Adu, right? I don't, I, don't want her, I don't want people to be like, oh, that's going to – I don't want her to become a punchline. Right. Know? And I think, I think it's similar to the, the, 
13-year-old that signed for USC as a quarterback and had to be released from his letter of intent so he could go play wide receiver at West Virginia because he wasn't that good anymore. 13, in my opinion, is a little too soon to be signing pro contracts. Now, developmental contracts all day long. Sure. The the Well, one of the things that was funny to me is they show her in all her Nike gear, say that she signed a professional contract, but they didn't mention a team that she'd signed with. So I don't know that she actually has a team that she's playing for yet. She's just signed with Nike and they're they're using her for sponsorship stuff, apparently. Yeah, but that's they're, probably where the money is for for, for, sure. for women's soccer is to be have the sponsor gig, right? I mean, women's soccer just announced that they have severed their ties with A and E networks, so they won't be no they will no longer be you know sandwiched between wonderful lifetime movies any longer. Well that's a shame. Yeah, I I'm really looking forward to seeing where they go. I'm hoping they're yet another place where we can tune on ESPN Plus to watch soccer because that that would be in my opinion the best possible setup for them because there's it a lot of incredibly natural. Yeah, and there's a lot of people that love the game that are that's what they go to. Like that's what it's becoming. It's becoming like a better version of the Fox soccer package that you used to be able to get because right. legitimately you can rewatch anything anytime. So that's very excited for all the Scottish league soccer. I get to watch because Tim, Weah has become my spirit animal. <laughs> oh, dude, he got everybody after seeing him, him do what he did in that game. Everybody kind of basically that has any like desire to be a U.S. fan has to love him at this point. Right. Oh Yeah. He's taken over Deuce's swagger. So, yeah, and, and that's not an easy swagger to take over. Let's be honest; like that, he no. made a name for himself off that. And same sort of thing. Like, it, if if Timothy Way can pull off becoming that guy and back it up with his play, as young as he is, that's excellent for the next twelve years, right? Sure. So, so last thing, give you a chance to to possibly t- to possibly talk about this. I know that you had something you wanted to bring up in your Alex's airing of grievances, and I thought I'd give you the floor to share with us a little bit of your frustrations, if we will. I got a lot of problems with you people. Okay, so this is obvious troll work from Danny Cannell, and that's pretty much what he does now. He put a poll on Twitter of what what would you rather watch? The preseason baseball, preseason football, regular season MLS, or none of the above. And I just, we even have it here locally in Chattanooga. There are so many people who cover sports for a living who aren't sports fans. There are football fans that played baseball in high school and they hate everything else. And they get all sorts of access to all these different sports things. And they just piss on everything that's not football or maybe a little bit of baseball in the offseason or LeBron James. And I'm just sick of it. It's ridiculous. I just, I like football. I watch football. I watch basketball. I'm one of the nerds that wakes up at three o'clock in the morning and watches the British Open. I get, I go flipping through channels and I land on some college lacrosse. I'm in, let's go. I watch sports. If football's not your, or if soccer's not your favorite sport, okay, that's fine. But it's a sport. So why do you got to hate on it? Just don't watch it. That's okay, too. I'm not mad at you. Just quit pissing on me, because I enjoy it. He's He is pandering to his base. He has 343,000 followers. 
And those 343, the vast majority of them, love being the guy that makes fun of the soccer nerd. But they're also... I guarantee you 200,000 of those are hate follows. <laughs> it's possible. Not uh, possible. Guaranteed. He got 15,000 votes for this, and none of the above was the answer. I voted for MLS. Yeah, I, I, I voted for MLS as well, but... I'm, I'm ashamed to say... Damn clickbait. Well, it worked out well. I, I do find it interesting, though. He's gotten 15,000 people to vote on it, but not enough people really care much for it. Only 21 people liked it. Like, I don't yeah. think we're in the minority in thinking this is just an a-hole move. All right, Alex, you got anything else you want to talk about in the soccer world before we uh, we get out of here? No, I can't think of anything. All right, so coming up this this upcoming week, they do the Red Bulls will have one more... Closed scrimmage is my understanding um, that we unfortunately won't be able to report on. And then they have the 16th as the next um, home match. If you don't have tickets, I would advise, if you're not a season ticket holder, getting that double pack that Alex talked about earlier in the episode. It is a really good deal. You get to watch not only Louisville City, but you will also get to watch uh, Ford Madison in the home opener. A, a really um, eventful two games that I don't, if I was you, I wouldn't want to miss out on. Uh, last thing I want to want to mention for any of you guys out there, give us a follow on Twitter. Um, check us out at, at Soccer Chat with two T's. Oh, one more thing. This is going to air on Tuesday, and it's Sunday, and I don't care. We have a final score to report. D.C. United 2, Atlanta United 0. I have no further comment. Take. Put the cat down and go to bed. Take the cat out of the room. I was like, I just need to get to the end of the statement before she comes on camera and starts talking into the mic. Oh, man. I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. <laughs>